Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, the doctor is in. Emily Landon, who we like to call our resident epidemiologist, answers a lot of questions about navigating COVID this fall. But first, it is our chance to sit back and relax from the week that was with two excellent humans with us this week. We have Jacoby Cochran, the host of CityCast Chicago. Jacoby, hello. Morning, Greta. Thank you for having me back. Oh my gosh, thanks for coming on. Also here is WBEZ Metro reporter Adora Namigade. Adora, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. A little disgusted by what we're about to discuss, <laughs> but... Right. She, she just well. dropped COVID surge and was like, now let's talk about something else. I can't focus but on anything else. <laughs> let's talk about something else. And that something else is Burning Man in this instance, because the annual desert festival for tech bros flooded this year, prompting what many news outlets called an exodus. Tonight, exodus at last. Some 70,000 people who have been stuck at Burning Man are now slowly being allowed to leave. I don't want to be mean about this. But also, I feel like it's kind of hard not to be mean about Burning Man in general. Jacoby, is this a story you followed? No, it is not. (laughs) Because the minute I saw um, sort of alleged, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Groomer, Diplo, and not that Mm. funny Chris Rock sort of hitchhiking their way out. I sort of had Mm. this, you get what you deserve, get what you pay for type of mentality. But it did Uh make me look and ask the question, okay, what the hell is Burning Man? Because I hear it every year. Uh, but yeah. I, I never had a strong interest to look into it. And the truth is, I, I'm, I feel, like Adora said, I feel more disgusted now that I actually know what it is because now <laughs> it feels even more worthless in my perspective, particularly the hypocrisy of Burning Man over the last decade, right? When it started, Mm. it sounded at least like there was some noble intent. Meeting on a beach in San Francisco to talk about, um, you know, revitalization, to talk about uh, scaling back, to lose excess. And now it is all of those things. They turn this desert town into an 80,000 people uh, sort of car-ridden, gas-fueled, like run-up-the-generators festival that... I'm not actually sure what it's in celebration of anymore other than, you know, people who have the means to dip off for nine days uh, and yeah. and call that fun in the desert. It's I'm very confused about it. Yeah, it is interesting to hear you bring up the origins of it because like so many things, I mean, it makes me think of something like Woodstock too, right? Where it's like, yeah, the idea initially is amazing. And I don't know how much capitalism is just ruining all of Everything. it in this context as well. But it does seem like it has gone, it has strayed very far from the original intent. And to your point, 
so much of it is about like the privileged few who are able to participate at all, which is just such a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of their tenants is leaving no trace. And yet mm-hmm. we're looking at thousands of tons of carbon dioxide. We're looking at mm-hmm. tons of trash. We're looking at cars that are just sort of abandoned in the desert. Uh, and, so, and so it's hard to think that this is anything other than. Uh, at this point, sort of a narcissistic festival turning in on itself and sort of folding in, especially as they say things like, you know, we have a a climate goal to be net negative on climate emissions by 2030. And yet, as you show up to the festival, there's a climate protest. They are trying to block you from getting in because their thought is ain't ain't no way you, you are actually living up to these these tenets that you profess participation, mm. civic responsibility when this is your carbon and literal footprint. I agree. It's giving irony. It's giving a lot of <laughs> irony. Um, and also, I was just reading that people had to take like seven hours to drive five miles. Yes. Because of the flooding. Yes. So, A, I wouldn't even want to go if I could just show up in a limousine. Okay. <laughs> but to sit in traffic for seven hours, there's a lot else I could be doing. That's all mm. I have to say. Yeah. God bless those people. I hope it went well for them. I hope that they enjoyed it. And I hope it was worth the seven hour drive. It's wild that this ends up also being a climate story because, of course, mm-hmm. this is like historic, unprecedented flooding in this desert area, which is also, I don't know. In some ways, it's like, is this the most American story that we could possibly have this week for better or for worse? You know? uh, I don't know. The second one's a runner up, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's get to it, both <laughs> now that you've mentioned that. So another story from this week that caught our attention No, I caught your attention, about... G. I ignored it. I ignored it. It caught your attention. <laughs> Let, let's be specific right, We're trying that. to ignore okay. this stuff. Okay. <laughs> another story that caught my attention this week is about a Delta flight that had to turn around because somebody's diarrhea was so terrible it left atlanta it was heading to barcelona the whole thing became enough of a biohazard situation that they had to turn around after two hours in the air it's just a, a biohazard issue i you know we've had a passenger who had diarrhea all the way through the airplane so they want us to come back to atlanta this is just like so up horrifying the, up the aisle oh, like, oh they had to replace the carpet i saw on twitter Wait, but can we tell people that Jacoby literally backed his chair up and hid his face in horror as you described the story? I just want people to know that because they couldn't see it. I mean, I get it. This is a deeply horrifying story. It's a deeply horrifying story. Oh, my God. No, when you sent the email, G, I clicked on that link and I almost emailed you back. Don't ever ask me to come on Nerdette. Hell again. Again. Unless you doing one of your fantastic author panels, I ain't showing up no more because I, I shouldn't have been exposed Why to this. Why are you traumatizing him? Come on. I, Why are you traumatizing I, him? I literally watched Binged Hijack with Idris Elba on Apple TV this week, and I would have rather been on that plane with the fake and or real guns to my face with them threatening me. Then having to watch someone struggle up the aisle, I had more questions than I ever wanted to have. And um, yeah, you 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 uh, you tested the friendship with that one. You you tested the friendship with Uh-oh. that one. No one has ever come onto the show and just berated me for our topic. <laughs> I'm getting really too comfortable, I guess. No, but I do have something to say about this topic. Great, okay, great. several things. <laughs> Thank so you, Adora. First of all, 
absolutely. So, A, it was foul. I definitely agree with Jacoby that it was oh, foul. For sure. Okay. I'm B, not though. saying this sounds fun at all, to be clear. <laughs> yes. No, I, I don't think you think it's fun. I don't Thank I think you. you just I think you were alarmed. I think it was horrifying enough that like you had to show someone. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. I do understand that. Yeah, warning, I've, I've done that G, tell me I'm gonna see <laughs> That's true. We like doodle butter everywhere. Like what? <laughs> but I think what was fascinating was I didn't realize that that could be a reason to emergency land mm. a plane. Yeah. Okay. Me neither. Me neither. And then, right. And I just went to South Carolina this weekend and I was like, so great. I didn't know that I should be grateful that my exactly. planes have not emergency. Okay. Jacoby yep. is yep. losing yep. his mind, everyone. <laughs> Literally losing his mind. Anyway, I didn't realize <laughs> that that was something to be grateful for. Yeah. That I yeah. haven't had an exactly. emergency landing. Turns out. Explosive yeah. Diarrhea. Yeah. Okay. So, so Jacoby, are you picturing this from the, the thing? <laughs> The thing that I keep thinking about is that this is terrible for everyone involved. Like this isn't oh, one where it's just like, percent. oh yeah, sucks to be the guy with her, or person with horrific diarrhea. Like 100%. no one is the winning in this sitting scenario. Next to them, the, the person, person sitting next to them, sitting next to them, the pilot making the call, the people who have to clean up this plane after like no one, no one is winning in this scenario. It's you know, I read on Twitter terrible. What? People were talking about it who were on the flight, and they said that they used a vanilla scented cleaner, and that it just made it like worse. <laughs> and I was like, "That oof." Do you do you think you're gonna think about this next time you're on an airplane? Yes. What? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. As soon as I pull up to the gate and I start seeing everyone get in line, because I'm already annoyed. I'm like, you you not even you and C group go sit back down for a second. Um, Are you gonna just like hand out Pepto Bismol to everybody? No, but I will be looking, and I'm just asking which one of you is most likely to dookie booty on this mug. Like, so I mean, I do have a friend who I will not name who on her way back from Mexico pooped her pants on a plane. And it was when uh, I, it was like, ooh. I think the plane had already landed and she was just very sick and couldn't get to the bathroom. And that's what happened. But this sounds like it was much, much, I hope they don't listen to your podcast. I'm going to be real because if they listen to this and just like, man, this sounds so familiar. And then you got to the end, which is like, I also got a friend who pooped on themselves. And they're just like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, what you, what but you, she didn't name them. No, nah, she, she ain't name them, but name you them. only got so many Instagram followers, like friends and Twitter friends. <laughs> we going to move through and now I'm going to be looking through the list. Which one of y'all is poopy big stuffings? Which one is y'all? <laughs> So, I'm so Jacoby, I think don't I, out them, Jacoby. If you find out who it is, I would, okay? I would no, never. I would no. never. Thank you, um, Jacoby. <laughs> what I think is funny about the way you are framing this hypothetical is that it sounds like you don't think you could ever be the pooper. Oh no, That's I, a good I would point. never. I, nah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Um, that you're not narcissistic you're not enough to life. think that I'm not. Like I have complete control over tummy time. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I. I think anyone at at some point could be uh, uh, the, the booty bandit. But what I'm saying is, uh, if it is me, all I know is I'm not going to leave my seat and run up the aisle. Right. But you will not see a trail coming from. You're just going to actually you're just going to smell it on the plane. You're like, who is that? And I'm going to go. Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> who, who just pooped on themselves on this plane? Who, who are y'all? Who, who, the, who the booty band? <laughs> who the pooping pariah? Do you huh? think this is? Do you think it's been optioned yet? Do you think this is going to become a movie? 
on Tubi. <laughs> a Tubi booty film. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, okay. Let's change the subject. It's time. Y'all did great. I really appreciate your patience. Um, the last thing I want to talk about, Adora, you are hilarious. Adora, this is mostly for you. I have to say this last one, but so it's now the month of September. We're like, it's not a million degrees in Chicago anymore. You know, school is back. We're maybe actually approaching fall vibes, which I am thrilled by. Um, but we're also getting close to the end of the year, which is kind of crazy. There are four months left, which means it is not too late to turn things around. Adora, I know you are like an aggressive goal setter. And I was wondering if there's anything that you like <laughs> that's on your 2023 list that you are just so excited to to make happen for yourself still this year. Yes. So one thing that I'm very proud of is growing up, I was really an intense artist. I drew a lot and I painted a lot. Okay. And I had kind of a high output. Not out of a productivity mindset, but just because I enjoyed doing those things. But then sometime in college and working, I was like, oh, I could just spend all my time making other people money and not do things for myself. So mm-hmm. then I stopped. Then this year I was like, why why are we not drawing? Why are we not painting when we love these things? So I just started doing those again two weeks ago. And then I set a date in my calendar once a week for the rest of the year to say, hey, this day, I'm not going out with friends. I'm just drawing and painting. So I did that like last night. And oh, then I'll do it every Tuesday or Wednesday for the rest I of the year. I love that. That's you. perfect. See, I knew you would have a good answer for this. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. So, Jacoby, I feel like I'm definitely much more of a like, well, we're three quarters of the way in. Let's call it a wash kind of vibe for me personally. <laughs> Where are you on this annual productivity spectrum, we'll call it? Uh. I have very loose goals. My goals are almost <laughs> always vague at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Do some exercises at some point. Nice. Uh, buy something nice. Right. Accomplished yeah. all three of those things. So I'm gold up. But one that I hey. haven't hit is I've known pretty much for the last four or five months that I'm going to Paris for New Year's Eve. Oh, and my God. That's hype. So I was starting like a little Paris piggy bank before the summer started. And I was like, you know, I'm going to just contribute to this over and over and over. But then, you know, awesome. something come up, pull a little Paris money. Something come up, empty the piggy bank. And so now we are at September 8th. Ain't nothing in that piggy bank. Ain't nothing <laughs> in there. Uh-oh. Ain't got money for okay. a croissant. Ain't got money for a club. Uh-oh. And so I need to start putting some more coin in that bank for myself uh, and, and hold strong to that goal. The other goals I got can can maybe wait till 2025. This is more urgent. Is this when you share your Venmo with the with the good people of Nerdette? That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Shoot, this is a crowdfunding venture. You know. Help your favorite podcast host, your second favorite one. Boy. <laughs> Take his dream vacation. <laughs> hey, you know, Zale, Cash App, Venmo. <laughs> Whatever just, works. Just find a CityCast email. I'll send it to you. I can't put it online, though. People start requesting money from you. And that, that'll make me upset. So, but, yeah. but you know, y'all know where to find me. I'm around. I'm here. There you go. There you go. I do remember I did have one very loose goal also this year, which was inspired by MJ Franklin, I think, who's a books editor at the New York Times. And it was to read fewer books that I didn't like. Because Ooh. I think especially as a person who tries to read as many books as possible, just in terms yeah. of like keeping up with what's out and what's happening in the book world, I feel a lot of pressure to like finish a book once I've started it. And I this year have really tried to be better about just like, eh, if it's not speaking to me, 
I can let it go and that's okay. There's something out there that I'm going to be really excited to read and I should spend my time doing that. Greta, you will amaze me. I'm just trying to follow in your footsteps. Okay. I love that for so many people to go list like in toxic relationships and yours was to in toxic relationships with poopy books. With I books. love that. I love that. There you go. Good for you. <laughs> well, Adora Jacoby, thank you both very much. Y'all are just so gracious. <laughs> no, nah, you're the best. These stories, they, they weren't they weren't your best outing, but you know, you you've been doing it for 10 years. You got to throw yeah, up exactly. a sneaker, a pooper every dude. now and then. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, as promised, in just a minute, we are going to check in on the state of COVID with Dr. Emily Landon. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I've missed you. I know. Isn't it been great though? I mean, like, okay, I mi- I missed you because you're fun even without COVID. But, like, <laughs> it's been great not having so much COVID, right? That is Dr. Emily Landon. She is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. And of course, we like to call her Nerdette's resident epidemiologist. In peak pandemic times, we were touching base with Emily every couple months, but we have not had her on the show since last November. And a lot has changed since then, but a lot also hasn't. Yeah, and I I don't think we know a lot more than what we did last year. Now, we know a lot more about specific variants. We know a lot more about treatments. We know about vaccines. We know a lot more really little sort of detailed science stuff. But I think Certainly a lot of people are feeling like COVID is behind them and they can move on without worrying about COVID. But that's that's not a bright idea, I think. I think that's probably the wrong idea. Because COVID is going to keep coming in waves and there's no pattern to those waves. At this point, there aren't a lot of COVID patients in Emily's hospital, which is a good thing. But more people are getting COVID again now. And Emily says we'll likely see another wave this winter. In other words, it's extremely not behind us. You know, infectious diseases in humans exist in this like sort of tangled little, you know, messy love triangle situation, right? We love to not have COVID and go out and do all the things that might get us COVID, but COVID loves to take advantage of that. And it makes us, it it puts us in a difficult position. And so we have to sort of be attentive to when it's rising and falling and behave appropriately. So how do we behave appropriately? That's why Emily is here today to answer listener questions about what we should be thinking about this fall. We started with Katrina, who asked when we should start masking in public again. If you are a high risk individual, if you're somebody with an immunocompromising condition, if you love or live with someone that has an immunocompromising condition or is getting complicated medical treatments, then you should probably be wearing a mask in crowded indoor 
um, situations when there is whenever you hear about cases increasing and everybody honestly should be wearing masks on planes and public transportation i think mm-hmm. that's probably i mean i suppose in the when their cases are the lowest they've ever been and you're not really going to be spending time with people that are high risk then maybe then you could forego your mask but i would still wear mine on an airplane even if the cases were as low as they could possibly be that so you know most people should be using masks strategically in the mm-hmm. same way that you would say, you know, you, you show up in a meeting and somebody's all sniffly and nobody wants to sit in the chair next to them, right? right. That's nowadays, I would say you probably need to put a mask on if you're going to be in the room with that person as well. Yeah. So Katie wanted to know about making their kids wear masks at school. They said, we live in a very conservative state. They'd be among only a handful of people masking in buildings with, you know, more than a thousand people. Um, They said they did have the kids wear masks last year, but eased up this year because they were going into middle and high school and didn't want them to feel weird. Yeah, I get it. Right. Yeah. I have a a couple things to say about that. First of all, if you need that, like it depends on what the reason is why they do. Right. Are you having them wear masks because you're worried that they're going to get acute COVID and end up at the hospital, even though they're perfectly healthy? That's probably not rational Mm -hmm. um, because that's probably not going to happen. They might get COVID, but they're probably not going to be super sick. Now, if you want them to wear masks at school because you're, you know, somebody that lives in the household is severely immunocompromised or getting cancer treatments or, you know, or one of the kids is severely immunocompromised or has other medical problems that put them at very high risk, well, then I think you've got a different situation. And now you got to talk about how they can make good decisions, especially if they're older, about mm-hmm. wearing masks um, during the day. I had this conversation with my son today. So it's a, he started high school yesterday. Hmm. And um, I said, you know what, Alex, you don't have to wear a mask at school this year, especially not right now. When it gets worse, I'm going to make you do that. But um, I'm, I have rheumatoid arthritis and I'm immunocompromised. My mom is about ready to start some cancer treatments, which is mm-hmm. sad, but you know, yeah. she's going to be fine. So we're going to not worry about it. But okay. I said, so Alex, you got to think this through. So how are you going to, I said, how are you going to make a decision about when's the right time to put a mask on and when's not? First of all, you got to have it when you walk out the door. I said, you got to have it with you every day so that it's there. Otherwise you're definitely not going to put it on. Right. Then I need you to think about it. If you don't want to wear a mask all the time, that's fine. But I need you to be able to keep your distance from kids that are sick. Um, And if you are in a stuffy room, then you got to think about putting it on a crowded room. Or if somebody's sick in the room and you can't really get a lot of distance and you got or you got to be in that room for an hour or more, then you probably need to put your mask on. And he said, "Okay, so, you know, he went over it and, you know, said back, "Okay, so in a stuffy room, if I'm there for more than like 30 minutes or so. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. And he made up some rules for himself that Mm -hmm. seemed pretty reasonable to me. Um, but I pointed out, you know, it can be hard to know if somebody's sick or not sick. These are not foolproof, but they definitely would reduce the risk in that scenario. And they get him used to making decisions for himself about when is the right time to wear a mask. And the other thing you can say is if you really don't want to wear a mask at school, but cases are going up, then you have to, you know, maybe you just have them wear a mask for a week before Christmas vacation. So you can go Mm. see grandma or before, you know, before you have an upcoming weekend. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I got to do this because my mom says, but it's not the first week of school. It's not the time when, you know, it's just for a limited time period that you're managing that risk around you want to protect someone else and you're going to use the mask to make sure that when you spend time with that person, you're not bringing something to the relationship that you don't want to bring. 
Right. That makes sense. Okay. So let's say someone does get COVID. Uh, Mary wanted to know how long you're supposed to isolate these days. Is it still like the five days fully isolated and the five days with a mask? Yeah. So you should stay home and away from other people for at least five days from when your symptoms start, not from when that test turns positive. So as soon as you start having symptoms, you gotta be wearing a mask around other people. And once you realize that it is COVID and it can take a day or two for the Mm -hmm. rapid test to turn positive, right? Once you realize it is COVID, you really need to stay away from other people for at least five days, starting from that very first day that you started feeling sick. So you've already got two days under your belt, maybe you're out and about with a mask on, that's you know not ideal, but if that if you had to, you had to, right? Mm-hmm. If you have to be out and about, you got to wear a mask when you have COVID, a good mask, and you want to keep your distance from people. Be polite. You have no idea who around you is sick. If you wouldn't hit someone in the face, then you probably shouldn't give them COVID. Is sort of my <laughs> reasoning. So Jamie on Facebook wanted to know when we'll be able to get new updated boosters. Yeah, soon, right? So um, the new boosters, it looks like they're going to be available. They're going to vote on it in the next, um, I think in the next week, week and a half. And then um, hopefully they'll be available. They're all made. They're ready to go. There's every every indication that they're going to be approved. So um, it looks like they should be coming to a clinic or a hospital or a pharmacy near you sometime near the end of September. So Jackie wanted to know if their kids 12 and under also need a booster. Yeah, no one knows yet. So um, it's not clear. Um, I think that they will probably approve that for they so far have not approved any boosters. I think maybe one booster for kids 12 and under. Um, But uh, I'm hoping that they approve that. But I think that's a little bit less of a sure thing than Mm. approving it for older individuals like adults and 12 and under. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the newest strain. Um, Stephanie wanted to know how that's showing up on home tests. Yeah, so there's there are two two current strains oh, that people great. are talking about, <laughs> um, and so I want to be clear: both of them will show up on the home test. But remember that home test needs you got to actually follow the instructions on the home test in mm-hmm. order to get the the sensitivity that it says it has. Which means if it's negative when you first check it, you got to check it again in either 36, 48 hours, whatever the box if you're symptomatic, you're if you're right? symptomatic, yeah. Okay. So Mary on Facebook wanted to know what the deal was with expiration dates on home tests. And they asked, is it like the sell by date on yogurt where you're probably still fine to eat it the next day? Yeah, I think it's better than a test that you don't take. Okay. Right. It's definitely better than a test you don't take. So the the those are sort of arbitrarily chosen um, because they have to prove that they're good until then. But that doesn't mean that they like the next day they don't work. So I think if you're sick and that's the test that you have and you've got a positive on it, then I think it's, I would rely on it. I don't think they're going to go false positive. I think what you're going to see is over time, maybe um, they might be less able to detect COVID. So you might want to repeat it. Like if you've got, for example, if I had some expired tests, I'd probably do two at the same time or do them every 12 Mm, hours. And then if I wasn't sure if I was still sick and I was getting negatives and I really had a close exposure I think I'd probably just go and get another test from the store or just assume that I had COVID would be another reasonable thing to do. Is Paxlovid still a good treatment for when you get COVID? Yeah. So Paxlovid works really, really well. One of the things that is different from the last time that we talked is we know even more about how great Paxlovid is. (laughs) So I would say it's awesome. And it really is for like higher risk individuals. You know what? I honestly will give anybody Paxlovid that has COVID. Will you? Okay. 
I, I think helpful. it is definitely for higher risk people absolutely should get it, but I don't think that would hold me back from taking it. Um, if okay. I was, um, if I had COVID and I was, and I was young and healthy. Okay. So, um, we got a really nerdy voicemail from Audra. Let's listen. Hi, Nerdette. Um, I'm really curious if COVID, the virus still looks like that, uh, graphic that we kept seeing in 2020, you know, the like round thing with all the pokies coming out. Um, does it still look like that given all the variants and did it ever actually look like that? Okay. Bye. Thank you. Audra is my kind of nerd. Like this is so great. Okay. So, um, coronaviruses are named coronavirus. You know what Corona means? It's crown, right? So that's Mm -hmm. like the Latin word for crown because it actually does look like that. It's a round ball that has those spiky pokey things, um, that make it look like when you flatten that into a 2d image, which we've all seen from clip arts on everything, um, Uh looks like a crown. Basically it looks like the, you know, what a crown would look like. And it does actually have those little spiky things and they are called spike proteins and they are tiny minuscule proteins that stick out of the sphere of COVID and they, um, the inside the sphere is all the genetic material of the virus. And then they have these little spiky proteins and those little spiky proteins, um, pokey proteins, yeah, uh, are called spike proteins and they, they are what stick to the receptors on your cells. They're really, really small, right? So you're looking at them with an electron microscope and then, and even then a really strong one. And then they can mm-hmm. attach it to your ACE receptors. And that's how, and then, then that is how the, the spike protein attaching is what gain, how it gains entry into your cells. And those little spikes, they're never going to go away. They're always going to be there. COVID's always going to look like that. All the coronaviruses look like that. They look the mm-hmm. same. They all look like that because they're in this family that has this spike protein. I love it. It's such a nerdy question. (laughs) So then our last question is from Kristen, who is getting married this fall and wanted to know if you have any advice for someone who's hosting a large event in the near future. Yes, I do. Um, If I was going to host a large event and I was worried that it was going to be around the time, like when there might be a wave of COVID and you don't know when they're coming. So you sort of have to worry about that, right? There are a few things you can do to make it better. One, you can make sure that the venue in which you're having this has good ventilation. And Mm. if you look up on the CDC's website, they have a lot of information about ventilation and you can ask each of the venues about their ventilation. And then if they don't have great ventilation, you can improve it by opening windows and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you can, um, I would definitely recommend opening windows, fresh air, and whatever you could do at your venue you because then you'll minimize the damage that any person with COVID has. Second thing you can do is you can ask people to um, be careful and avoid getting COVID in the week leading up to your party Mm -hmm. and your event. You can say, we would like to have, we want everyone who comes to this wedding to be safe and feel comfortable here. And we know we have some people that are high risk for bad COVID outcomes. We know you can't be, no one can be perfect, but please avoid getting COVID. And here are, you know, the things you can do to avoid getting COVID. Then if you're sick, please don't come to the wedding and if you, or please wear a mask. You can have masks available at the door and say, please, if you're not feeling well, you can have your ushers help with this. If you're not feeling well, please wear a mask. We really want to protect everyone at the wedding. I wouldn't make too much out of tests, plus they're more expensive. I mean, it's fine to test, but I think I would tell people, if you're not feeling well, please wear a mask. And then I would maximize the ventilation and I would... Um, I would say we want everyone to feel included at this wedding um, and we want everyone to leave with nothing but well wishes for the bride and groom Mm. or bride and bride or groom and groom um, (laughs) as opposed to um, 
leaving with COVID. Well, Emily, thank you very much. You're the best. Thank you for having me back. I love you guys. All right. (laughs) Talk to you later. that's it for this week thank you as always for listening along thanks also to those of you who submitted questions to the good doctor i hope you found that conversation as helpful as i did i have a couple of quick book club announcements first it is the month of september that means our book this month is happiness falls by angie kim it's great you should read it the author interview is already in the feed and you can stay tuned for the panel chat coming up the last tuesday of this month also our october book is The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. So get that on your little TBR lists now. I wanted to tell y'all about the newsletter because it got a little refresh a couple weeks ago. It looks really snazzy and we have a new section in it called Delightful AF and it's where we put pictures from you of stuff that you find delightful. How fucking delightful is that? So if you want to participate, you can post something on Instagram and then tag us at nerd.podcast or you can just email it to us if you're like, Greta, I hate Instagram. That's also totally fine. We would love to feature things that are bringing you delight in the newsletter. I think that's very fun. Also, you can sign up for the newsletter at wbez.org slash nerdatteaf. Okay, that's all the things I have to say. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman at WBEZ in Chicago and is part of the NPR network. And our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. And we will see you next week. Burning man, burning booties, and burning goals. Let's do it. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.